Thanks so much for joining us today on Leesburg Community Church's podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, including directions and service times, please visit leesburgcc.org. On our website, you can also find notes and daily devotionals based on this teaching. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you liked today's message. as we continue through our series. And uh, by the way, we're going to be in Ephesians 4 for a long time. I just decided, I was praying over it. I can't go on any rabbit trails today, can I? Can't do it. But anyways, we're praying over it and felt like God said, hey, go really slow. There's a lot in here I want to unpack for the body. There's a lot I want, I want the body of Christ to understand. So let's do this together real slow. So we'll be in 4 for a while. So if you, if you thought you lost the place and where you were at, just go to chapter 4. It'll be a long time that we're there, okay? And uh, you won't get too lost. So Paul was talking about unity. He was talking about our response to all that God has done for us through Christ, the way he has saved us, to all the things we just celebrated through communion and uh, through our time in the, at the Lord's table. And he said, now, now you respond rightfully. Now you respond in a rightful way as a son or daughter to God. All of this was a gift to you, but now there's a part where now that you're in the family, you respond. And so let's pick up in Ephesians 4. 7 through 16. Says to each, but to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. And this is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Now, because of our time, I'm not going to be able to go into that part of it a whole, whole lot. That, this is an amazing passage to study. Paul is pulling from Psalm 68, which I'll get to in just a minute, but I just wanted to pull out this one little piece here as we're reading it, right? He who descended to the very, is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Our God sits enthroned above the universe, and, and whether, whether we want to think of that as a physical thing, or it just doesn't matter our, our view of it, but his lordship, his kingship, his governance is over all the universe. There is no higher authority than our King of kings, Lord of lords, and God of gods. That's who he is. And that is a powerful statement. To Christ himself, to, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every aspect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. The first thing I want us to see in the very beginning of this passage is that we are united in Christ, which gives us this new family that we've been talking about, Gichnan. In, in, in Ephesians 1 through 3, but being a part of this new family comes with a responsibility. And there's a responsibility in our new family. Just before this, remember that Paul said, live a life worthy 
of the gospel you have received. Live a life worthy. There's a responsibility that comes for those who say yes to Jesus. For those who say, yes, I want your gifts. And it says this, for each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. Remember a couple weeks ago that Jason taught really eloquently and, and very detailed on, on grace. And that we so often see it just as the word attached to salvation. We didn't deserve salvation. We didn't deserve to be saved. We didn't deserve to not have death put upon us. And yet Christ paid the price for us. We didn't deserve it, but he gave it to us. We didn't deserve to have eternal life, but he gave it to us, right? All free. But grace and gifts are used together all throughout Scripture. And actually, they're used more often than even grace as it's attached to salvation. That there is this grace of the gifts that have been given to each one of us as Christ apportioned it, who is above, understand where that comes to play now, right? Who is above all the universe and has all authority to apportion whatever it is he deems and chooses to apportion to each one of us. And what does he do? He apportions the gifts that he wants to give each one of us as we are in the body of Christ. They are his gifts to give and his to decide who gets them and his to decide the abundance that they are in and his to decide how they'll be used. It's his to decide. And it's by his grace, right? He didn't have to do that. Saving us would have been plenty. Drawing us into his family would have been plenty. But then he equips us. He gives us gifts to be used. He makes our life meaningful and purposeful. He gives us work to do that, that Paul talked about in, in chapter 2. He gives us uh, work within the body and work outside of the body. He gives us that purpose and work to do that he planned for us even before the creation of the world as he is above all. Now this uh, descended and ascended, like I said, it will take a long time to study just that itself. I would challenge you to study it. I would challenge you to get to one of our Bible study classes. I would challenge you to get into a life group and begin to study passages just like this with one another. But this idea is that Christ, who was fully God, he descended to wipe away and to pay the penalty and to pay the price and to absolutely defeat the enemy that stood against us, as well as the, the penalty that was upon us as well as the wall that separated us. He descended to take that penalty, that separation, everything away from us. He descended. And the one who descended also ascended back to the heavenly realms to take his place of rule and authority. And all rule and authority is his. Remember, we see it, saw in Scripture, we studied it last summer in Philippians, that every knee will bow, and every tongue confess. There will not be one that will not confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, for he is Lord. They may not do it on this side of eternity, but they will certainly do it at some moment. Now, what does all have to do with us? He is the rightful one to give gifts, and he gives them perfectly, and he gives them wholly, and he gives them just as it's needed. That passage was referring to Psalm 68, and I would challenge you this week, go look up Psalm 68, read through it, embrace it. Psalm 68 is what's known as a, a messianic psalm, or it's often been called an enthronement psalm that celebrates the kingship of God. I want to read you a, a passage from the Geneva Study Bible, not one we talk about very often, but I think it's a pretty great explanation. 
Psalm 68 celebrates God's triumphant march from Mount Sinai in the desert to Mount Zion in Jerusalem and his enthronement there over the people. Paul regards this as prefiguring Christ's victorious ascent into heaven. Now, why would there be language used like that? For in the ancient world, it was very common that after, after the troops and the king would be out at war, waging war for months and sometimes years, they would return. And ahead of their return to, their, to Rome, let's just say, ahead of their return, then they would send messengers in to say, we're on the horizon. We're about a mile or two out, sometimes further. And trumpets would begin to blaze. I mean, they would just ring throughout the entire city. And the whole city would come out. And they would line the streets as the, as the army was marching in. And there would be a celebration of their conquest and their victories and a display of their captives and their plunder. And there's this imagery that was very real in that time, this celebration of victory. We've talked about that in the last few weeks, that there is a victory that, that is celebrated in heaven every time somebody surrenders their life to Jesus Christ. The angels erupt, and there's this massive celebration every moment that it happens, right? We looked at, we looked at Luke 15, where it says that, that, that the shepherd went out for the one. And when the one was found, there was great celebration. Remember on September 16th, we're going to have our one service. That doesn't mean we'll all be in here together as one service. It means we're going to have our one service because it's all about your one friend. It's all about your one relationship. Who's the one that God has given you influence in your life? Who's the one that you're going to invite to hear the message and the truth of Jesus Christ? Who's the one that you're going to invite as you've been talking and sharing in relationship with them, as we start a four-week series that will be designed for those who are just awakening to Christ. Who's the one? There was a great victory that happens in heaven when that happens. And all of this was taking on that imagery and that when Christ showed up and displayed the captives, which were us. There's two sides of this captive. There was literally the one that he conquered, Satan, and the demons in the spiritual realm, they're put on display as being conquered, and his works that conquered them is put on, <clears throat> excuse me, put on display. But the other thing that would happen is that a king and the troops would roam in, would, would rage in there, and as they would conquer another people, they would take those that they captive, that they took captive, and they would take them back and give them sometimes freedom or sometimes take them as captives to themselves, and they would march through. And when it was their own people that they bought back, if you will, through battle, then they put them on display because they were now the freed prisoners of war. We just saw that in the last week as some of our remains from our Korean War veterans returned home. And so this imagery, you need to get a picture of this, and I can't stay on this topic any longer, but please go study it, but understand the picture. Here it is, the king of kings, the one who's enthroned over all the universe. He is marching to the shame of the ones that were destroyed, right? The ones that were put to shame for their evil, meaning Satan and his plans and his schemes and the penalty that was waged against us. Ooh, yeah. And then comes the captives that were set free, you and I, 
those that came before us, those that will come after us, that were set free. My people have been bought by the blood of my son. They are now our sons and daughters. And look at them. Celebrate. Celebrate. And then he did, and he does what kings did at that time. Then he took the plunder. He took gifts, and he gave them to the people. And he celebrated and gave gifts to his people. Those are all the imageries that he's drawn from the ancient times and the way that battle was fought and done. This was a battle that cost the blood of Jesus Christ. And what is the reward for each one of us? Yes, we have been saved, but we have been given gifts, and they've been apportioned just for you. It wasn't as if sometimes when we're with kids doing kids' ministry, we do this weird thing and throw candy out at them. Man, somebody's going to lose an eye one of these times, I'll tell you. They just toss candy and... They're going to, like, beat each other up and all this kind of It's not like that. It's not like the Lord just said, hey, I got a bunch of gifts. Let's see how they land. It's nothing like that at all. It says, by his grace, he apportioned them. He gave them appropriately to each person. As you receive the Holy Spirit, you were given the gifts that matched your personality, matched exactly who you were, exactly how God created you. He knew all along who you would be and what you would do and that you would give your life to him. It was never a surprise. It was never a moment of shock. He knew from the moment of your creation, actually before your creation, that you would be a follower of him. And he knew the right gift to give you through the spirit of God. That's the next thing I want us to see, that we are given unique and diverse gifts. So Christ himself gave apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Now, while this is not an exhaustive list, I put a list in your, in your notes. It'll be up here on the screen whether you can read it or not. I'm not 100% sure, but it'll be in your notes for you to take with you. It's, it's the gifts that are listed in different parts of the New Testament. This is not an exhaustive list. You'll even see that some of them repeat themselves. These were just writings, and for whatever reason, at that particular moment, Paul picked these gifts to write about. Now, we know exactly why he picked the ones he picked here, and other ones were for other reasons, but he said, hey, here's the gifts. We are exploring and learning and digging the depths of who God is and his character. There is no way that we can write down on page after page after page all the gifts that he could potentially give any individual. He gives the whole of himself. He gives the whole of the Holy Spirit, which means he gives us his whole character and all that he is which means he gifts us with things that we may not even have names for. But we know we have names for these. We know we absolutely can depend on these. We know that we know that these exist in the body of Christ for certain. And we know that only we can only call or look towards anything else that matches his character and aligns with him. We don't just get to make something up. It has to match who he is. We have to see that being represented in somebody's life. It has to be a biblical and produce biblical fruit that we're about to see here in a second. For the gifts were given for the reason to equip and train. These particular ones were teaching gifts. These particular ones were leadership gifts. These particular ones, for instance, like gift of evangelist. We're all supposed to share our faith. Every one of us were given the job, the role, the work of sharing our faith. But there's those that will proclaim the gospel. Maybe we've been in their presence before. Hey, they just talk about Jesus and people go, oh, yes. And you're like, how in the world? that happen? I've been in front of crowds of people, and they've said, will you proclaim the gospel? I'm like, sure, I'll proclaim the gospel. I love to proclaim the gospel. 
And so I'll share the gospel. And I'm like, does anybody want to give their life to Christ? And it's like, crickets. And then some other guy will get up a day later, and he proclaims the gospel. And all the same people go, whoa! And I'm like, what? What was wrong with the way I did it? Oh, I'm still going to proclaim the gospel. I've seen people come to know Christ. I've, I've watched people give their lives to Jesus. I've talked with people who give, who give their lives to Jesus. But some have this amazing supernatural ability that when they proclaim it, it's, it's fascinating what happens. Lives are changed in an instant. And you're like, wow. It's as if they know the exact right words or the right way to declare the gospel to each person they talk to. And you're like, how do you know that? Oh, right, right, you're gifted. <laughs> and then there's teachers and pastors and prophets and apostles. Now, apostles, in terms of the exact apostle, like the 12 apostles, those were the leaders of the church, those who were given the word to, uh, of God to write down, along with the prophets at that time, were given the word to write down. Now, in that sense, in the strict sense of the 12, right, and then you had the one that replaced Matthias, who replaced um, uh, Judas, then you had Paul that was added, those, that office as an apostle has ceased to exist. However, apostle, meaning sent one, has not. We can very easily use that as a missionary. Those that are sent out, because there's people that absolutely have this great gift of going out and declaring the word of God to all sorts of tribes, languages, and people. And they have this amazing passion and gift, and it cannot be thwarted, and they have to go. To be in their hometown, inside their home house, it is like they're in a cage, and I gotta go, because I have been called to be sent out. And that's how we can view that in today's time. So these gifts were given to equip and train the church for service. We see that in Ephesians 4, 12a. This means this, the most important part, if I can just quickly make my way through this, the most important part of that to equip the people for the works of service. Those teachers, those leaders, those overseers that we see in this list, the primary thing that they're given to do, their primary role is to equip the church for its works of service. Why was the church given gifts? For the works of service. And those that were given teaching gifts are given teaching gifts so that they would take the word of God and equip people to do that service. So here's what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean that we get to hire a pastor or a team of pastors and go, all right, now you guys have the gifts and we will watch. Hey, I'm really glad that we can put our money into this thing. And if you need a little bit extra, let me know. I had a good year. No, no, that would be the exact opposite of what this passage is declaring. It is saying that we have all been gifted, all of us, and in this particular case, the teachers specifically have been gifted to equip the body of Christ, but all have been given gifts for what reason? To equip the body of Christ. All are given gifts for works of service, and the works of service will train and equip the body of Christ. So in other words, if I have the gift of hospitality, i got to be i got to be training and equipping other people who have the gift of hospitality. Lord knows, if you have the gift of hospitality, do not expect me to teach you what that's going to look like. Because I am not a very hospitable person. I mean, I have it in me. I have the love of Christ in me. So every once in a while, I get it okay. But my goodness, don't. Right? But I have gifts, and I'll share those gifts with you. One of my gifts is, is understanding the Word of God or, or teaching the Word of God. And I would not even say this is the greatest place that I teach the Word of God. It's not my strongest gift. Sitting in a small group is where I'm most 
strengthen or my, my strongest use of that gift is. Or one-on-one or sitting in a coffee shop or whatever that would look like. But my job is to use it and equip the body of Christ to use their gifts that they've been given so that the body of Christ together is equipped and trained. We all have to be using our gifts. We all have to be using them for the body of Christ. Listen, it's as simple as this. We've been invited into the kingdom and we've been given responsibility. And the responsibility is to do the works of service. The responsibility is to build one another up. The responsibility is to train one another. It's time to go do it, each and every one of us. To not use your gift in the body of Christ is to be disobedient. I don't know, I hope that, I hope that doesn't rub you the wrong way, but at the same time, I hope that literally cause you to take a step back. To not use my gift in the body of Christ is to be disobedient, is to thumb my nose at God and his plans, the one who sits over all the universe, who has all power and authority, who says, I specifically give you this gift. That's fine. Thank you. Thank you. But to not use it in the body of Christ is disobedience. So we have to train one another, and we're building one another up in maturity. That we're not going to be like infants any longer. We're using our gifts, primarily these as he, in the context, these teaching gifts, to build one another up in knowledge and in faith. We need to know the word of God. We need to be in it. We need to be teaching it to one another, and we need to know it. And we have to know how to use it, and we have to know how to unpack it, and we have to know how to share it with one another. That is how we will grow in faith and knowledge. We need to be sharing the stories. And those that are teachers, those that are pastors, those that are preachers need to be teaching those across the body of Christ about Scripture. Now, let me hold on here for a second, because the moment I said that, many of us thought about the vocational pastor or the vocational teacher, and that is not the case. If I have been given the gift of teaching, our schools, from what I understand about Loudoun County, I could be wrong about this, but some 10,000 employees, is that close, Brett? Some 10,000 employees, and you're reaching out to every one of them with staff fellowship. Some 10,000 employees. And those that are followers of Christ who exceed in the realm of teaching, I wonder if they have not been given the gift of teaching. And what they're doing is they're teaching academics, which is beautiful and amazing. Are they teaching the Word of God? And what we often hear is, well, I don't know how to teach the Word of God. Did you know how to teach what you teach now without studying for it? Did you know how to do what you do now in your career without training for it? Did you know how to do what you do without putting in the time and the energy and setting a goal to get there? No, none of us do. And yet, if I've been given this gift that I am supposed to use this gift, and I'm supposed to use it in the body of Christ, then I must do that. For what purpose? That I would help the body of Christ grow up in knowledge of who God is, his great character, the majesty of who he is, what he wants. Remember in the beginning of Ephesians that we would live a holy and blameless life. Well, we have to teach one another what that holy and blameless life is. We have to use the gifts. You have a gift of knowledge, then you have to sit down with people and share your gift of knowledge. If you have the gift of wisdom, you need to be in the Word and then share wisdom from the Word of God. If you have the gift of discernment, then you need to be praying like special forces. You're in there praying and praying and praying, and all of a sudden you rear your head up and you go, hey, church, that's an evil one. Thank you, because I didn't see that one coming. Right? We're maturing the body of Christ. 
and maturing. Now, how do we know if we are a maturing body of Christ? How do we know? First of all, like I said, we're growing in that faith and knowledge. But we're also coming and having a sure-footedness. We should be our foot, our feeding, our footing, our footing should become more secure. We shouldn't be tossed around like infants any longer. Listen to how Paul puts it. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves, blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful schemes. If we don't know the word of God, if we're not growing in knowledge and in faith and who God is, right? Our faith in what he does and who he is, our faith in his power in our lives, right? Which comes from a knowledge of who he is and what he's done, hearing your story and someone else's story and the story throughout scripture. If I'm not growing in that, then I'm going to continue to be as an infant. Think about it for a second. An infant has no idea what is being fed. It just gets it. Hey, you give an infant to somebody, they shove something in its mouth, it's going to eat. I realize this is a terrible analogy, I understand, but whether it's antifreeze or milk, it's just going to start sucking on the bottle. It doesn't know. Well, that might be a really terrible analogy when it, analogy when it comes to a baby. It's the same thing for us. Unless we're growing in our faith, we could open ourselves up to a teaching, and it could have the same effect as antifreeze. Because it's not... It's not true to the word of God. It's not true. And we could take it as truth. And now we're tossed here or there by every form of heresy and teaching if there is. And, and then you think that, you know, uh, and think about an infant being held. Hey, hey, you hold them. No, no, you hold them. All they do is they just want to be held. Huh? Somebody shows a new believer attention. Somebody shows somebody who hasn't grown up. Somebody shows them favor. Somebody shows them relationship, and all of a sudden they begin to believe everything <coughs> that is said to them by that person. When we're infants in the Lord, we must mature, we must grow up. How do we know if our church is being the church that's using its gift? Is it the people in the church, those that are gathered here in the local church, and those that are gathered far and wide in the global church of Christ, are growing up in their knowledge of Scripture, in their understanding, and in their faith. And they're not being tossed around like an infant or like a toddler who just simply does this and falls. We're not going to fall because we're going to be held up by the word of God because we're going to be taught by one another and our gifts are going to be poured into one another's lives and we're going to extend ourselves for one another so that we will grow up and mature and our footing becomes more secure and then we grab somebody else's arm and we grab somebody else's arm and we grab somebody else's arm and now we're holding up the body of Christ, teaching and learning and maturing. Are you maturing? Oh, I know we're maturing in age, all of us. I got that part. But are you maturing in your walk with Christ? Are you maturing in your knowledge of Scripture? Are you maturing in your understanding of the character and ways of God? Are you maturing in your understanding of holiness? Are you maturing? And are you helping others to mature? It is your role in the body of Christ. What else is the church going to look like if it's a growing, maturing church? It's going to look, it's going to love and live and look like Jesus. Paul said this, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is head, that is Christ. 
If we're growing in this knowledge, if we're all using our gifts to pour into one another, we're going to come into unity under the fullness of Christ, who's the head of the church, because we're all studying him. We're all looking towards him. We're all beginning to act like him. We're all beginning to love like him. We're all beginning to give our lives away like him. We're being the servants who will wash one another's feet, who if I have a gift of serving, I'm just going to serve. If I have the gift of of leadership, I'm going to leave. If I have the gift of administration, I'm going to administrate, and I'm going to do it in the body of Christ so we will grow up and mature, and here's what's going to happen. The body of Christ is going to look more and more like Jesus at every single moment. You cannot mature in Christ without looking more like Jesus because you will. Now, you can have knowledge in Christ for sure, but you cannot mature in Christ without looking more like him. Your statements are going to sound more like him. Your love for others is going to be more like him. It's going to be a powerful love. And why would that be the case? Why would our love be the first thing that comes out? Is because it comes from God and the gifts he's given us. And who is God? God is love. That's going to be the greatest thing that comes out of us, is a love for one another. And it's going to cause there to be an incredible unity. Remember we said last week that unity is the thing that the, church, that the rest of the world will notice. Unity. That when we're united in Christ, under Scripture, using our gifts to help one another grow in knowledge and maturity. We're going to be unified in that truth. We're going to be unified. And the world is going to be astonished. How do we know if we're a growing church? Is the world astonished by our unity? Are we unified by one Savior, one God, one Spirit, one baptism, the ones that Paul mentions? Are we united? Are we sacrificing and giving our gifts to one another, serving one another? Here's what it looks like around here. You see different musicians up there. Why? Because some are gifted. To literally teach through music the character of God. How amazing is that? And they're up here. Wouldn't it be better to just have one band all the time? Same five guys, same five girls all the time because, man, they will be a a great band. But it would be really crummy for the body of Christ because the body of Christ needs to use their gifts and their talents and their abilities. So we're trying as hard as, I, as hard as we can to get different people up there. People like Keith are, are working their tails off, training people and working with people and helping them to learn more and more. Be a part of it. Be a part of it. How about our children's ministry? Is, does it look that way? Yes. Yes. We have people in our children's ministry every single Sunday. And what are they doing? They're pouring into our children. What are they doing? They're teaching and raising them up in maturity. And what are they doing? They're helping them to know who Christ is and to grow up in knowledge and to grow up in faith and to learn what their gifts are and to start serving. The children would be serving right in children's ministry. It takes so many people to serve. And here you go. You're right. You're like, oh, he's going to start asking. I am. I promise you I am. You didn't even have to wonder. It's coming. And here's the reason why. Because I'm not asking you to serve. Like, I'm not asking you to help. Look, we, I, I don't, we don't need you to help. We need you to use your gifts in the body of Christ. We need you to use your gifts in children's ministry. We do. We need you to use your gifts of teaching, of serving, of helping, of hospitality. We need you to use them in, in children's ministry. Here's what I've asked Shelly to do. I said, Shelly, I want it to be that nobody in our church has to serve more than one weekend a month. She goes, that's impossible. I have people serving. The only way I make this thing happen is I have people serving three and four weeks a month. I'm like, then that means they can never come to service and be in the body of Christ. They they can't come and sit and worship with the collective body. 
one weekend a month. Would you give yourself to children using your gifts? We'll find the perfect place for you. And you're like, children, I don't know if I like them. That's okay. I don't know if I like people sometimes. Right? I get it. But maybe it's the perfect place for you to use your gifts of teaching, of leading, of administrating. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. We're out of time. High school, middle school, same exact thing. Same exact thing. Why does Jason always have to come and say, hey, I don't have enough people to serve in this hour. I don't have enough people to go on this trip. I don't have this. We have students that are here saying, I want to know more about Jesus. Do we not have people in our church that can teach? Of course we have people in our church that can teach. Of course we have people that can mentor and train them. Of course we have people that can share. Wes Butler, how long have you been serving in children's ministry? My, I mean, in, in, in middle school ministry. You were here before I was here. You tried to get away with a few years there, man. I showed up here 20-some years ago, and there was Wes hanging out with middle schoolers. And he's still doing it. Look. We got people that can do this, and we need to do it because this is what it means to mature the body of Christ. We're not looking for help. We're looking to be the church, the mature, growing church. All right, you ready? Here we go. Life group leaders. Right now, pull out your bulletin. We need some life group leaders. Pull out your bulletin. Just do it for me. Just, just humor me. Just humor me for a second. I, I, I don't ask you to do a ton of stuff in here. Just pull it out, and inside there's a little piece of paper. I want you to see that piece of paper, okay? And here's what it is. That's a way to sign up to be a life group leader. And you're like, you know, I don't have any time to be a life group leader. That's great. I don't have time to do 90% of what I do either. I'm with you. We're out of time. Time's at a commodity, I know. But if you are a teacher, if you can teach the Word of God, if you have gifts of hospitality, we'll help you. We'll make sure we align teachers with you. If you have the ability and knowledge of Scripture to discuss Scripture, we'll make sure we have a teaching video or something that can help you out. We'll help you. But we need life group leaders. And why? Because it's the body of Christ using their gifts. So you can take that little insert and you can sign up today. And you're like, ah, there it is. There's the guilt. No guilt. None at all. We're just reading from Scripture. It simply says, use your gifts. Serve one another. But you might find a hundred other ways to do it. Do it. Serve the body of Christ. Use your gifts to grow up and mature the body of Christ. Now I'm just going to read. You ready? Just going to read. Fast. Read fast. Chair set up. You're like, oh, that's my speed. Great, do it, serve. And we'll be praying together, and we pray over all the chairs. That's exciting. Reaching into our community, one trip a month. Remember, that's our goal for our reach ministry? One trip a month, whether it's next door or it's around the world, okay? So in May, we went to Crossroads Church and served families. In June, we had a team go to Haiti. In July, we had a VBS. August, we're doing the backpacks, right? And then uh, in August, we start, we start to bring meals to people and share the gospel by bringing meals to people as we open up our mouths and share the gospel with that. But we're also just going to be sitting with people, encouraging them. In October, we're going to send a team to Romania to, to spread the gospel around the world that way. Are you, do you have, uh, we're going to do some labor stuff. We're going to do some, they haven't told me what it is because they know I don't know how to do it. But we're going to do some teaching stuff. We're going to do all sorts of things. We're going to encourage other believers somewhere else in the country. In December, we're going to invite foster families to drop off their children and have a special night out on us. We're going to take care of it all for them. In January, we're going to launch our food pantry in connection with Tree of Life. And we're going to have groceries going out all over Loudoun County right here from this church. How is it? How is it that God has uniquely gifted you? How are you going to use your gifts in the body of Christ? How are we going to be a growing and maturing church? Because we pour into one another's lives. One another's lives. The body of Christ is less when we're not living out the gifts that Christ, the one who's overall, 
are portioned specifically to you for just such a time as this. Father, thank you. Thank you for who you are. Thank you for the way you love us. Thank you for the way you have gifted us. Father, that was a, a lot in a short amount of time. But your word never returns void. So do an amazing work in our heart, Lord. Help us to see that which you want us to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Have a blessed week. Sorry we kept you a little bit longer.